No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see the characteristics of the invading army coming against Judah in the day of the Lord. This points to the greater day of the Lord that is coming in the future. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of Joel, chapter 2, on Simply the Bible. A severe plague of locusts became the occasion for the prophet Joel to speak of an even greater day of the Lord that was coming, where God would judge the earth. Was there anything that could be done to avert this devastation? We continue in Joel chapter 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. And so Joel told them to blow the trumpet in Zion. Now, this was probably the blowing of the silver trumpets that were used to announce impending warfare. The day of the Lord was coming. Now, this was a phrase used by the prophets to describe a future time of catastrophic judgment by God. It could refer to something immediate, but it could also refer to an even more intense final judgment. The day of the Lord would be dark and gloomy. Now that's a theme also picked up by the prophet Amos. Amos 5.18 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? It's not a day you want to be on the earth to experience. Verse 2, a people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Now in chapter 1, Joel had been speaking about a severe, devastating locust plague that would come into the land and leave no vegetation behind. But now he speaks of a people coming great and strong. The plague of locusts is a harbinger of a much greater invasion to come. Now he says nothing else compares to this, neither before nor after it. The devastation will be like a consuming fire so that lush landscape like the Garden of Eden will become a burned out desolate wilderness. Now what was Joel referring to? Bible scholars have differing views. Some think that this was at least partially fulfilled when the Assyrians invaded Judah during the reign of King Hezekiah, but were then stopped from destroying Jerusalem by the angel of the Lord, who wiped out 185,000 of their troops. Others see it referring to the end time scenario, when God will gather the nations of the earth for the great battle of Armageddon. I think both interpretations could be correct. 
Joel could have been seeing both a near and far fulfillment, as is often the case with Bible prophecy. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. So these locusts or people, whatever they are, they appear like horses. It is interesting that the German word for locust means hay horse and the Italian word means little horse. Now, what do millions of these things sound like? Joel compares the noise of these invaders to chariots. They leap over mountains so that nothing stands in their way. They crackle like a flaming fire. That could actually be the sound of them chomping. Now, there are great similarities between what Joel describes here and what the Apostle John describes in Revelation chapter 9 about the demon locusts that will ascend from the bottomless pit during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 9.3 Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like this power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. So there are great similarities here between what Joel describes and what John describes. Verse 6, Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. And so the people will writhe in pain before this invading army. They run, climb, and march like warriors. They are invincible and they are pervasive entering into every house. Verse 10, the earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So the earth quaking, the heavens trembling, 
and the sun and moon growing dark, this corresponds to what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24 about the signs immediately before his second coming. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, Joel says the Lord will utter his voice before his army. It's evident that the Lord is the one who is ultimately commanding this army. All things are at his disposal to execute his judgments. Finally, Joel says, who can endure the great and terrible day of the Lord? This is not something any of us would want to be here to experience. Verse 12, now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now, the prophets have spoken of the day of the Lord for thousands of years. Why hasn't it happened yet? Well, Peter tells us it's because God is slow to anger, slow to bring judgment, not wanting any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And this is what Joel is saying. Turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Let there be true repentance, true heart sorrow, godly sorrow. He said, rend your heart, not your garments. Of course, they would tear their garments as a sign of mourning, but that could be a superficial thing. God said, rip your hearts instead. Be truly sorrowful over your sins and return to me, return to the Lord. That is what the Lord is ultimately after always. He delights to show mercy, but we must come back to him as the prodigal came home. He is gracious, he is merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. It is the goodness and kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. And so Joel is just saying, look, don't wait for this day of the Lord to happen. Who knows if you repent now, God may relent because he is merciful and forgiving and he takes no delight in the death of the wicked, Ezekiel said, but that we should turn and live. And Joel said, who knows if he will turn and relent from this disaster. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. So now the trumpet blowing in Zion, this would be done by the priests and it would be to consecrate a fast, to call a sacred assembly. There was only one fast that was required by the law, which was the Day of Atonement, but this would be a fast so that the people would turn to the Lord, sort of like what the Ninevites did 
at the preaching of Jonah. They, they declared a fast and everyone repented. The king of Nineveh repented with dust and ashes. And so Joel is saying, look, gather everybody for this sacred assembly, the elders, the children, the nursing babes, even the bridegroom who would be with his uh, wife was to come out and come out for this sacred assembly to seek the Lord. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And so the priests were to be the ones who would intercede for the people, pray and say, spare your people, O Lord. Don't give your chosen ones over to the nations to be ruled by them. And why should these nations boast over the Lord and say, where is their God? And so here we are, Priests, as it were, we are a kingdom of priests, according to Revelation. We ought to be interceding for our nation. We ought to be crying out, perhaps even declaring a fast, a sacred assembly. And if the church will cry out, and if we will turn from our sins, confessing them, turning from them, turning back to the Lord, who knows what God might do? It may not be so late for our nation. There may still be hope for America but we don't have any time to spare. We need to heed the words of the prophet Joel. And who knows what God might do. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. We are happy to announce that we are building a new facility in Southwest Meridian. For more information or to give towards this project, please visit calvarytv.org slash buildingproject. That's calvarytv.org slash building project. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast. Tomorrow we will look back and see where King Solomon asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. He then wrote Proverbs to give wisdom, instruction, and prudence to others. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through God's Word on Simply the Bible. <laughs>